What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to VCast, where church and culture come together. As always, if you haven't already liked or subscribed to this podcast, please do so. Give us a like, follow us, and uh, everything you do helps us to continue to reach people with the Word of God. So we love you guys. I hope you enjoy this podcast today. God bless you. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to VCast. I'm your host, Jacob. I'm back here again with John. Say what's up, John. What's up, guys? Yeah, we are now bringing you episode three. This is I Am Forgiven. Remember, our first episode was um, I Am Gifted, and then it was I Am New, and now we are going over I Am Forgiven, the power of forgiveness in our lives. Um, we're going to be covering Ephesians chapter 4, verses 25 through 32. So if you have your Bible, um, feel free to read through it so that you can, you know, get a gist of the things that we're going to be talking about today. Okay, so let's start off with the power of forgiveness. The Apostle Paul, who was a legalist before he was a Christian, as we all know, if we know the story of Paul, which I feel like most of us do. But the Apostle Paul was a legalist before he was a Christian. He, and he experienced the radical power of forgiveness. When I think of forgiveness, I think of Paul all the time. When I think of like a story that fits that word. Yeah. Or like if that, that word was in the dictionary, I would pause right next to the definition. Like he's the picture. Paul oversaw the death of the deacon Stephen. And in his dying breath, he asked that Paul be forgiven. And his prayer for Paul was answered and Paul became a Christian. So when I say that Paul was a legalist, um, just in case people don't really know what that means, Paul was a Pharisee and he was very zealous for the rules and the law. And anybody who broke the law, he would kill. He would persecute. Yeah. So he went from being a legalist to being a Christian. So a question that I feel like we all need to ask ourselves and a question that I'll ask you is, have you ever considered how sinful you are? I would like the way I I look at it is that like if if I'm so sinful to the point where I can I think about it like this it's like it's not even sinful where like my sins are racking up it's more like just a sin just one sin in general is like is enough to separate to separate the connection that I would I would have had with God and to 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 put me in eternal damnation I was like, I probably think I'm really sinful because that's just that's based off of one sin. It's like one sin, let alone itself, makes you deserving of death. It makes you deserve deserving of eternal punishment. It's like let alone how many other transgressions we have done against God. It's like I I could only imagine, I can only imagine the wrath that I have stacked up because of the sins I have committed. Uh, not even like just and there's sins that we commit daily without even realizing that we're sinning. This is like there's intentional sins where we're like, oh, what we know we're doing is bad. Like I can't even imagine how many sins that I've done, even like yesterday that I didn't even realize were sins. And even I didn't uh, mentally tell myself, oh, this is bad. So in a way, I could have sinned against God without even knowing and without even being remorseful of it because I didn't even realize it. Exactly. So uh, like you just said. Um it's not necessarily about how many sins are stacking up. The question of have you ever considered how sinful you are is really asking, have you ever considered how holy God is? Yeah. Right. The fact that one sin is enough to separate that connection. So it's not necessarily about how many sins I've committed that determine how sinful I am. What determines how sinful I am is how holy is the God I'm sinning against. Yeah. Right. 
Um, R.C. Sproul once said that every sin is an act of cosmic treason against God. Every sin. Yeah. Whether it whether there's a lot of sins that you have or only a couple. I doubt anybody has only a couple. But the truth is, regardless of how sinful you are in terms of like a numeric value, God is just so extremely holy that one sin is a, is a cosmic treason against who he is. So the yeah. Bible uses strong and scary language for sin because the deserved consequences for our sins are cosmic treason against God, which is what R.C. Sproul said. Our sins should scare us. Right? That, that's why the Bible uses such scary language when discussing sin, because it should scare us, um, the consequences of those sins. But there is good news. And the good news is that if you are in Christ, you are forgiven, right? Jesus substituted himself for our sins and took God's wrath. Scripture uses a word to describe this, the propitiation. God, Jesus is the propitiation for our sins. This means God's wrath against us, or God's wrath against, yeah, God's wrath against us, against our sin, is satisfied in the person of Jesus Christ. Um, and understanding the truth of God's wrath allows us to appreciate more deeply the truth of his grace. And if you are in Christ, you have been forgiven for all your sins, past, present, and future. So if I have been fully forgiven right now, how come I am not fully saved right now? This goes back to what we were talking about. Uh, I am new, yeah. right? But if I have been fully forgiven right now, why am I not fully saved right now? Well, you have been saved from from eternal eternal punishment. But like as, as we said in I am new, we are still in a sinful body. We are still in sinful, in sinful, like we are still linked with Adam and in the way that we are still in a human body, we are still, we can still experience temptation. We can still experience sinful thoughts and stuff like that. So we're still in a body where temptation, it's not like it doesn't exist anymore. We still have to face it every single day. And in the same way, but like we have been fully saved. And by that, like not, not fully saved, fully forgiven, that that was a once and done thing. That when Jesus died on the cross and we chose to accept the free gift of salvation that he offered for us on the cross, it's a one and done thing. It's not like, oh, we 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 are forgiven and then we have to be forgiven again. It's like the reason why I love that it says past, present and future sins have been forgiven on the cross. So that's a once and done thing. No matter like even though we even though we are saved and we, we will still continue to sin, not saying that to ignore, but just saying that it will happen. It's not something that can be avoided. But I will say this. Even if I sin in the future, it's not like I have to go, oh man, I have to rededicate my life. I have to, I have to re get re-forgiven. Like, it's not like the, the sacrifices that they used to do in the Old Testament, that if you, you would sacrifice a lamb and then boom, you're clean. But if you sin, you, you have to get a new lamb again and you have to sacrifice all over again because now you're dirty again. It's not how it works anymore. The thing I love about Jesus is sacrifices that since he is a perfect and clean lamb, the once and done act is like okay that will that will last forever for eternity because someone who was perfect clean and blameless died for us he was sacrificed himself for us exactly although you are not fully saved you are fully forgiven the act of justification and sanctification throughout your life is the power of forgiveness over your life your future sins are forgiven but because you have not been made totally new you will still sin but that forgiveness that you found in Jesus is constantly over you Jesus shouted, Jesus shouted from the cross, it is finished. This word, the, 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 what he just said, it is finished, 
is telling us of his triumphant victory over sin. That's what that sentence means, and it's what it tells us, and that's what we should pull from it. It is finished that he has been victorious over sin, that the work that he came to accomplish, taking the sin of the world, had been completed, and that we no longer have to live in our sin, but have a much better and fulfilling option. So we have been forgiven in Christ, right? Now, this next part is very important in understanding how we've been forgiven. Because now that we've been forgiven in Christ, we can forgive in Christ. Yeah. Right? We've been forgiven in Christ, which means we should forgive in Christ. Um, so then the question has to be, do you accept your forgiveness in Christ? Do you appreciate it? If so, then you should extend that forgiveness as Christ did. So can I fully understand what it means to forgive others if I myself have not received forgiveness? I would say no, because uh, the thing that I love that you, that you said earlier with when we were talking about the topic you are forgiven in Christ is that in order to understand just how like in order to understand the forgiveness that has been given to you, you have to understand the weight of your sin. So in the same way, I would say that it is harder for you to forgive others whenever you have not been forgiven of yourself because you don't know what you've been forgiven from. Because I would say that, too, that when we are forgiven in Christ, and we we have been saved from eternal punishment and we have been saved from the death that should have been ours but it was jesus instead i was like how can we not help but forgive so in the same way whenever people do wrong against us it's not that their wrong disappears it is saying that man i know what you did to me was wrong and i know what you did to me hurt me but i was like i've done so much more against god and I've hurt God so much more, and yet he is still willing to say, hey, I want a relationship with you, and I want our relationship to be restored, regenerated, and I want our relationship to be back as one. So I'm willing to forgive you, and I will give up my own son. I will give up my only son to be able to, to have that connection and that relationship with you again as my children. And understanding that, I would say no matter what offense that has been done to you, you can go, you know what? I've been forgiven of much worse. How can I not help but forgive only for this small fraction of what I have only done so much more of? Exactly. Um, it, it even says it in um, one of John's epistles. Um, it was, um, I love because you first loved me, right? It's the idea that I, the only reason I can understand the concept of love is because of the love given to me. So the only reason we can grasp at the concept of forgiveness is because unmerited forgiveness was given to us. To accept forgiveness while refusing to give it to others is truly hypocritical and wrong. It's saying that the sins of others are more grievous than the sins you've committed against God. Yeah. And therefore, the, their sins shouldn't be forgiven, but it's okay because mine were. Um, even in the book of um, Philemon that Paul writes, it's one chapter, but it, it fully encapsules the forgiveness that we see in the Bible. Um, Paul has a friend, and this friend committed a sin against another friend. So Paul says, hey, whatever he did wrong against you, charge it to my account. Yeah. Right? That's literally the gospel. All the wrong that we've done against God, charged to the account of Jesus. So Paul's saying, all the wrong that my friend has done to you, account it to me. And I'll be held responsible to it um, for it. So God, through Paul, says we only have two options when it comes to those who've sinned against us. Forgiveness or bitterness. 
And like weeds, the Bible tells us that bitterness has roots when others sin against us. We can walk away at the surface, our frustrations, disappointments, angers, hurts, and sadness, or we can pull up our bitterness before it takes root. Because if it begins to take root, it gets bigger. Yeah. So as a general rule, bitter people have a good reason to be bitter. They've been sinned against. Obviously, you have every right to be bitter. You've been sinned against. Somebody's committed a sinful act against you, whether they've broken your trust or they've cheated you, they've they've stolen something from you, they, they've done something against you. You have every right to be bitter. Bitterness is often related to how much you love the offender. What somebody does to you, if you don't love that person, won't really affect you in a major way. Because it's like, yeah. well, like somebody lies to me and I don't even know this person. I'm not really going to care. I didn't know you, right? Like there wasn't really a trust there for you to break. So when you lied to me, I didn't know you. So it, it really wasn't a big deal to me. Yeah. But if my brother were to lie to me, right? Now I'm like, bro, come on. I'm your brother, man. Why would you lie to me? It's because my connection with my brother is a lot stronger. So knowing this, how does sin make God feel? I always say like this, um, like I always pray this and I always get scared when I pray this prayer because it's a scary prayer. I was like, God, may my heart break towards sin like it breaks your heart. And in the same way, I kind of th- the way I kind of relate sin whenever it comes to that topic, I kind of think of the story of uh, Hosea, Hosea and Gomer, where like it's like whenever we sin, it is as if God is our lover and we are cheating with another lover. Like we are, mar- it's like we are married to God and we have that relationship with God. And then we are cheating on him with things of this world, things of fallen nature. So in the same way, like Hosea, like in the story of Hosea and Gomer, where the whole entire time she was she was cheating on him. She was giving herself off like like uh, she was selling herself off and he had to go and buy her back. And then like even though even though he didn't want to buy her back, he bought her back still because it is what God commanded of him. And I, don't, and I don't believe God did that just to just to do it, but I believe it was truly just to show, even before the time of Jesus, what He was gonna do. So in the same way, knowing how God how God reacts to sin, that it literally is it is as if seeing your wife husband going with another lover, even though they have been committed to you, even even with all that, and God still loves us, and God is still willing to forgive us. God is still willing to to sacrifice not like and I, I always it always blew my mind that god god has done nothing wrong and yet he is the one who still sacrifices that we are the one who deserves to we deserve to die we deserve to be put on that cross we deserve to suffer god's like i still love you even though you still chose other lovers over me i'm willing to forgive you and i will sacrifice my only beloved son just so i could have you back knowing how sin makes god feel and then seeing what God does despite knowing how sin makes God feel makes it where like you can't help but forgive because you have been forgiven of so much and you have been shown that even though you have cheated against God, he's still willing to love you. That's so it's so powerful just to even think about it. Exactly. Um, if there's any person or anybody or anything that has the right to be bitter and act on that bitterness is God. But instead he shows the most selfless act of love ever shown in the history of humanity. He dies in place of those who have betrayed and disobeyed him, people who he loved the most. 
Thank you guys for tuning into our podcast. I hope that you enjoyed yourself. If you did, don't forget to give us a like, a follow, subscribe, comment, and share this podcast with as many people as you know, so we can get the word of God out to everyone everywhere. We love you guys so much. Thank you for tuning in and we'll see you guys on the next episode.